Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. All right, guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode. Um, Ashton is reminding me this is episode six. So we're moving around, moving along. Um, today, we got a couple of special guests, but first we'll start off with our normal normal crew. We got B. Monty, Brandon Monahan. What's up? Taylor Davis. Hello. Eric. What's up? E. Strength. <laughs> we got Tay- uh, George, excuse me, geez, I do that all the time. Jordan Schieffer. Hello. Ashton Newell. Hello. And then... On the on the mic from Colorado, we got Coach Joe Rose. Hello. And then JP Sporty. How you guys doing? So yeah, there we go. Um, Joe, give us give us uh, give us our background on you. What, on me. You? All right. Who am I? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Joe Rosenstein. I am a coach at Push Colorado uh, here in Centennial, Denver area. Um, I played baseball my whole life. Um, I went to three different colleges, Siena College, Lamar Community College, and Washington State. Um, I trained with DJ and the push crew all throughout college. Yep. Um, I studied kinesiology in college, and then I played with the twins in rookie ball with a 90 RA for about a year, which makes complete <laughs> sense. Um, and then after I got done with that, um, I've been at push ever since. Yeah, about you did. Two and a half. Two and a half years. God, that's it. A little longer. You really? I'm a I'm a six foot six white righty <laughs> pitcher. Uh, you know you're you uh you've been almost almost uh, at push as long as you've had your your ERA, so that's tight. Oh, we got a couple years to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um. So what's kind of your specialties? Like, what do we? What do I rely on you on about? Um, I do a ton of intake on athletes. Um, we all do, but, um, I do a lot of intake assessments. Um, I work primarily with pitchers, a couple hitters. Um, uh, I like to do a lot of corrective exercise stuff. Um, obviously that coincides with all our programs, but, um, yeah, a little bit on the business side too. Um, kind of, I'll call myself a Jack of all trades. There you, there you go. All right. Sweet. All right. Moving on. JP, who are you? I am JP Sportman. I run JP3 Baseball and pretty much the player development here at the push location in uh, Tempe, Arizona. A um, little background on me. Played baseball in my life also. I went to Central Connecticut State University um, in New Britain, Connecticut, then went on to play seven years with the A's. Um, got to triple a, uh, a couple all-star games, um, that stuff's not important, but, um, and now I'm just trying to, you know, teach guys the right way to play the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going like going off of kind of what we talk about, like when people say, what is, what's your philosophy? I think that's just bullshit, right? Yeah. Like there's no such thing as a philosophy in my opinion. I know you kind of feel the same way, right? Yeah. I mean, I just don't feel like there's, you know, a right or like, there obviously is a wrong way to do things, but I mean, everybody's different. Every player's different. Everybody ticks a different way. Um, everybody swings different. Um, and I think that's kind of the, you know, disconnect we have in the baseball world a little bit right now. Um, but yeah. Speaking of disconnects, we got to bring up some happened last night, certain, certain tweet. Maybe, maybe we should read it. Yeah, I mean, you can do the <laughs> this is, this is pretty, this is pretty good. Let me pull it up real quick. 
Did anybody else see that tweet? Did you see that tweet, Joe? No, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> it's pretty good. So JP tweeted, a kid, I guess a kid, we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll read it and then we'll talk about um, what happened, I guess, right? Why this is important to what we're doing. So JP had a kid come in, um, say something to his coach. This is a tweet. I had a kid come, come in today to tell me his high school coach told him he wasn't allowed to hit here because JP3 teaches a, the pro way to hit. I mean, what do we, what do we got? What is, what is yeah, that? I mean, what is shit? <laughs> you don't want to be a pro guy? Like, you don't want your players to have a professional approach? Yeah, I think to me it was more like there wasn't a much of a meaning behind what he said, yeah. you know, just because it's like everybody strives to, you know, be a pro while we're playing the game, right? Like, we're not just trying to just tap. I mean, there is some kids that play just have fun, but, like, the ultimate goal is, like, that's your dream is to become a pro. Yep. You know, and I think the only thing that – you know, I don't understand behind, you know, a comment like that is I've always opened my cage and, and the place for anybody to come in and listen and learn uh, what is being said in the cage. Um, so just being able to hear that is kind of just like there's nothing behind that. You know, you have no you don't know what's going on in the cage. And just to say that, you know, I understand where he's coming from, but um, it's just why do we not want to be, you know, doing all that now you know what I mean? absolutely of, we're, we're not progressing unless we're getting to that position well it's like you, know? you teaching an 11 year old kid like proper swing planes right but like oh he's not gonna hit a home run because he's 11 well yeah. then when he's 18 we're gonna have to revamp his whole swing like let's teach the proper basics now an 11 year old doesn't mean shit those games don't mean anything yeah right? i think like when you hear like pro style people think it's like some like crazy like analytically driven swing where i mean we did it before to somebody too that like anybody that hits here used to hit here right well college and say that we try to do things like and make things more simple here than to you know make it super complicated to where guys leave here and they're like okay what did i just learn or listen to for an hour you know what i mean like yeah. it's kind of the complete opposite of what you know is taken somebody says like a pro style swing no, for sure. I mean, we've always had coaches nitpick what we're doing, right, Joe? Right, Taylor? Right, Brandon? Like, you guys have been here for a long time, you know? Absolutely. But you hear that stuff all the time, being out where you're at, you know? Yeah, it's it's really hard. There's there's a lack of communication, you know, typically between high school coaches and, I mean, on the private side, when we hold typically more knowledge, uh, more understanding, Um and so sometimes, I mean, even we have to dumb it down for them to understand. Yeah, I mean, our our, our ultimate goal as a group together, I know that's the same for you, like, our goal is to help guys out. You know, that's, that's the number one thing. Like, we're not going to teach stuff and, you know, give kids bullshit stuff that's not going to help them in their career. You know, and coaches need to realize that too. Like, you know, we're not bad-mouthing coaches by all means, but, like, they need to be a little open-minded. Like, we're seeing that with the – sort of thing right now right like we got to get not get those guys out of the game essentially but everybody's got to be on the same page have an open mind right it's it's all the game of baseball is changing and i think we need to continue to change change as well i think if you're not in that position where everybody's on the same page you're just hurting the, the player you know yeah it's like hearing two different things like the player wants to you know obviously when the high school season is going on he wants to you know play so he's got to do what the coach says but you know has another you know person in his ear thinking or telling them hey we got to do this and that right but i mean there's a disconnect there 
just doesn't help anybody, I believe. No, for sure. I mean, what's 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 your role as a coach, right? Like, why do you coach Taylor? To help athletes and get them to the next level and take them places that they can't take themselves. What do you coach, Brandon? Uh, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that's why we that's, all, that's all I said. Everybody's answer, right? You know, I mean, yeah, it was just you know, this was kind of stuff that wasn't around really. You know, I mean, it was kind of around when I was playing, obviously back in like my days, but at the same time, my day. You know, <laughs> how long ago was that? I mean, last year, you know, last year I got done playing was 2013 14, so yeah. it's still, you know, seven years, and just that time, the game is progressed tremendously to you know and that's you know that's how you know we kind of started with push yeah. and where it's kind of gone today is it's just you know baseball training in general is just completely taking a 180 from what it used to be and in a good way no i think that's yeah. exactly it and that's why the game has changed in such a like almost exciting fashion you know guys are growing harder than they ever have harder than they ever have and it's just you know it's all from just getting out of the old ways and finding new ways you know and it's just you know, that's why I got into this is because it's like what did you what did you miss as a, as a player growing up as in development right That's like yeah. that's my reasoning behind doing what I do. You know, it's like you've been out of the game for what two years, barely, barely two years. You know, Joe, you've been out of the game for two and a half years, three years, right? It's like you know, what did you miss in development, and how can we deliver that to athletes? You know, and we're seeing that with the issue with coaches too is like high school coaches and club ball coaches that are kind of closed-minded they're just stuck in their way which they don't know any better you know if, if not, that's not their fault they don't know but like they can reach out to other people go to seminars they can learn listen to podcasts or whatever to learn nuances of training and developing and what's good for players and what schools want what organizations want you know so yeah, moving on with that that's i mean that's well yeah i mean kind of just like chipping away off that like I always looked at it like the reason why I, I wanted to do what I'm doing is because of how much knowledge and information I was given when I got to pro ball that I would tell myself, like, what, where would I have been, you know, coming out of high school? I, was, I wasn't recruited. Like, I was a small kid. I didn't, you know, I came from the Northeast, right? You don't get as much exposure there. But the stuff that I learned in pro ball, if I was taught that when I was younger, who knows what type of player I could have been, where I could have went to school, right? Maybe I, you know, could have put myself in a position to get drafted out of high school. You know, but obviously I didn't have all that information that I'm going to be. So um, I think that's with everybody. Yeah. Right. All of us like played decently high level baseball. Yeah. Besides Eric. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of like what JP does too is a lot of guys are so used to just being like told what to do, told to hit, hey, do this. And they try to mimic it. Maybe they can't completely figure it out. Whereas like a lot of guys, especially like with our training here and with JP, so many guys like, yeah, they, they fix their swing and they work on their swing and stuff like that, but they understand what they're doing and they understand why they're doing it. Um, so many guys just, they just do exactly what they're told, but they don't understand why. Whereas like guys in JP's cage are talking through their swings. Hey, what do you think about? What do you feel? How do you get, how do you get to this position? Stuff like that. And I think that's like one of the big differences with JP sitting and his approach. And it's very professional approach, approach of how guys like talk and understand and the ver and the verbiage that they use when they swing. I think it's a big difference with how JP does stuff versus how a lot of other hitting coaches do stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, JP, I mean, all of us, right? Mm -hmm. We all realize that every athlete is built different. Yeah. Every athlete, you know, you know, you don't want this, this two guys swinging the exact same because they have two different body types. It's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you got to let the natural abilities take over. You know, let the natural athleticism take over. It's not like you're hauling over a swing and making all 9,000 people that hit with you, 
you know, swing the exact same. Yeah, the cookie cutter yeah. aspect of mm-hmm. it. Like, this is my gimmick. This is what I have to do. But yeah. like, that's just not realistic. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. What do you got, Joe, on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same approach with hitting with what we do. Um, you know, starting from the day day one, um, you start with your assessment. You got to address deficiencies. You got to see how they move, who they are. Um, one of the biggest dangers I find in coaching just day to day in the gym is over cueing guys, um, giving them a ton of information that they can't process, they can't internalize, and then transfer that into a movement that doesn't do anyone good. So allowing someone to move and create thoughts and cues on their own is definitely more important to them. Um, even though it might not work for me, it might not work for everyone else. If it works for them, then we did our job and they did yeah. our job. JP going off that assessment approach. Like what, I mean, what's the first thing is like when we have a kid sign up with us, we communicate pretty well, yeah. like what's going on between the hitter and the, you know, the, the athlete, right. They're swinging the athlete. You know, what's kind of your approach on your assessment process? Like, what are you looking at? What is your foundational, you know, vision when, it, you know, with the assessment? Um, I'm, I'm trying to just kind of, you know, implement like the basic fundamental stuff, right? I don't, I try not to talk too much at first. I kind of just try to see how the guy moves and stuff and then start implementing things that, you know, you have to do as a hitter to be successful. And when I see in a hitter that, they can't get to certain spots that are relatively easy to get to, or the, the thing that you see most consistently at every level and what makes guys extremely good at, at, at being a hitter, um, then that needs to be addressed. Um, but I mean, kind of basing off of what Joe was talking about, what you were talking about, there's a lot of times in, in the cage and an assessment process where guys come in and they think, you're going to give them information and then it's just going to change right away within like five seconds of hitting in the cage. Like there's a, a brick by brick process that needs to go on in order to be and get to the level that you want to get to. And, and some guys have, you know, swing mechanic issues, but there's sometimes where guys have good swings are just not that strong. And that's where it comes into play where I need to send them over to you where nothing I can do to fix that swing until you get stronger. This, be able we talked about that yesterday, like that. right? You know, we're, we're actually partnering with blast motion, you know, which is sweet for you and both of us, like numbers are right there. If yeah. you're not swinging in the red, mm-hmm. like an elite swing, like you're not strong enough. Yeah. Sorry. Like and that's a, that's a luxury of that too, is like having the numbers to back up, you know, what we say and yeah. why we're saying it, you know? So like, if there's no excuse to say, Oh, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Right. Or now you have the information right there for you. You understand what you have to do and what your process is or what your program is in order to, you know, get to that end game or get to that swing or, you know, pitching on the other aspect of it too. You know, I think that's going to be a good piece for, you know, us to have. Oh, for sure. I mean, numbers don't lie, period. That's why everything is analytically driven now, you know, and the fact that we're able to see the movement deficiencies on our end and then you're able to see that same thing and we kind of have that cohesive unit moving together, you know, and then we add that, like numerical number or is that numerical. a word? Numerical. <laughs> <I got you. laughs> You're smart. I'm smart. smart. I caught myself and knew it was wrong. Shut up. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like data doesn't lie. You know, swing plane, whatever. You can talk all you want. Like, I, yeah, I swing down, I swing up. It's a feel, whatever. You know, like, period. Your exit below is your exit below, right? Your bat speed is your bat speed. That tells you how fast, how, how strong, 
how powerful you are. And big thing that we've seen is guys just wanting to hit or wanting to throw and not wanting to lift. Uh, it's something we battle as a as an industry all the time. You know, it's we're not the we're not the fun part of baseball development. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a part that's needed. Yeah, you know, like, like there's not a player at the professional level or at the high, like college level that doesn't work out. Like it's just it's a necessity, especially now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, coaches are strength coaches in college are getting paid a lot more. I mean, minor league baseball is slowly making their way to invest in development. You know, a couple of organizations they they invest a lot of money in their their strength staffs. You know, but you know what's cool with us is like. Unlike pro ball, we would communicate a little bit more. Like, how many times is your did your strength coach and your hitting director communicate about your swing or your deficiencies or anything? Yeah, like that? it was harder just because you know they have like 300, 350 other guys they have to worry about. You know, yep. so like you don't get the attention that you know. And I, I was a guy that didn't really need too much attention. Like the more attention I got, the more like messed up mentally I got. Yeah. But it's hard, especially for those guys being in those positions because you got to deal with something. Well, that stuff. goes with your approach of how you coach, though, right? Yeah. Like, you don't want to overcoach. Who said that? You? Yeah. Taylor? So overcoaching somebody? Or no, Joe said that. Joe, Joe, that. Joe yeah. said that. I'll take credit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, you, you, know, you don't want to overcoach somebody, and then they get mind-fucked, and they have no idea what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, then it's just like we're just taking a step back, yeah. you know? Um, Joe, what do you got on that aspect? I think JP covered it really well. Um, you know, finding someone that um, can connect with you mentally on your level. Everyone's different in the way they think, not only their body, but like me, I was more like JP. You know, I typically overthought everything, and that messed with my head more than anything. You know, if, I mean, your your downfall is you not being able to find the strike zone. You're throwing gas, right? Yeah, that, that and I mean between the ears. Literally, after every pitch that was a ball, I'd be like. Oh shit! Uh, what do I need to change here? And then yeah. it just led, you know, to me being released essentially. So um, finding finding a, a connect with guys, um, you know, do they need a lot of coaching? Some kids do. Some kids have no idea. So you have to really give them more input. Um, but a lot of athletes are really good at figuring things out, especially elite level athletes. So giving them little things to think about instead of ten big things, you know, is going to equal better results, better performance, you know, more development um, and uh, overall better outcome is typically going to be better. JP, when do you know when to intervene and jump in and like know when to coach? I think it comes by, you know, having the process or having the kid in there, you know, long enough to understand, you know, when he's beating himself up, just watching his mannerisms, watching, you know, what's happening in the swing. Um, For me, the way I kind of structured the way I do things with my guys is, is really teaching them the importance of a routine, a process or a program, whatever you want to call it. Where if I see a guy, you know, really like scrambling to find something to, you know, fix what he's doing or like he's asking questions that uh, are just causing him to overthink what he's doing. That's when I need to intervene. That's, and that's where it takes, you know, I get back to that building brick by brick, you know, how the guy swings, how the guy goes about his process and understanding who he is. There's times where I know cues and, and stuff that I have reiterated to him over time that gets him right back to where he needs to, you know, what he understands that that makes him feel back to normal. And and it comes by listening to him talk too. Like I like to ask questions more than I like to 
tell somebody what to do Absolutely. because I know now I know how he thinks and talks to himself when he's not being vocal with me. So I can reiterate things that he tells himself that is about to responsibility to get into. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, same same on our end, right? Like we had a conversation yesterday. I was joking around with Jordan. I was kind of a jerk about it. But like there's a certain, there's a piece of overcoaching, undercoaching, right? We just got to find that kind of like that balance, yeah. right? You know, and I know you, you definitely have to say something about this. What are your thoughts? I don't know. Like finding the balance of overcoaching and like holding somebody's hand for an entire workout and like coaching them and like teaching them how to feel what you're trying to like get to teach them because it's essentially we're teaching new movements and JP's teaching new swing patterns and movements and you want them to feel it and understand it that way when they're not hitting next to JP they can take it to the cage on with their team take it to the the game like that's the idea is not to, to have to hold somebody's hand the entire time and have this super no, complex way of thinking game. we're not going to hold exactly like game. when when John, when little Johnny's on the like, hitting, like JP can't stand next to him and whisper, "Hey, get your get your foot down, get your hands here, put your arm here, really relaxed." All right, so then like right now, swing. That's exactly like, how he coaches. Like that exactly. I know that's that's, that's a perfect <laughs> JP analogy. But like like that's not how you can coach, and it doesn't matter whether it's a pitching, hitting, weightlifting. Like that's not how it works. I think that's the hardest thing to the hardest thing about. The job is you see a guy really struggling to like figure it out, but you want them to understand it on their own, you know, because that's they have to. That's the point of playing and, and all that. To where, yeah, because it's important to understand that like that player needs to be held accountable, I guess, for, yeah. you know, um, but that's kind of just the way, you know, I've thought about coaching it that way, just to help them, you know, mature a little bit more yeah. in that aspect there. Yeah, I mean, you can't watch every swing. Like, yeah. and you can't, A, you can't be thinking about that stuff in the box. Like, if you're going to try and hit a 95 mile an hour fastball and you're going to think about anything other than C ball, hit ball, like, you're fucked. Like, if you're going to try and think about your load or your hands or anything, like, there's no time. You have to feel it and know it's going to be there. It's the same pitching. If Joe is thinking about where his hands need to be, so he throws a strike, like, it's going to throw a ball. It's too late. It's, the velo is not going to be there. The spin's not going to be there. The accuracy is not going to be there. He has to trust where his body is and in space. And that's the job is teaching it. That you're coaching that. I mean, what's so on our end, like Taylor, for like, when do you know when to intervene? Like when you know, when you see a guy in the weight room, like when to coach? Um, yeah. So like when, how they been like, especially during the assessment, you can kind of tell, Based off of like our, not so much the table assessment, but like the movement assessment of like how in control they are of their body, of like and like how athletic how athletic they are, and like I kind of I'll give cues during the assessment on so, on certain things just to be like how quickly they're able to react and how they can get into that, and then that kind of like that'll set me up to like figure out how I need to coach them the first week. And generally, it'll be it'll be different after the first week after they know exactly what they need to do, but. That'll also tell me how much, what kind of notes I need to put in their program for each exercise, whether I can just put this or I need to put these three or four things in. So it's like athletes are athletes are athletic and they're smart and their bodies are smart. And at the end of the day, their body will figure out what feels best, which is why we get so many guys with compensations that come in, which they're good on this side, but they're bad on this side. So it's kind of like how, what, like using less verbiage to get the most out of it. So figuring out, 
whether I need to put this exercise in to set up this exercise, or I can just put this one exercise in and I can trust them that they're going to be able to get, get through it, figure it out and do it properly. I mean, I also, every, I think every episode we've talked about communication, right? Mm-hmm. With communication with the athlete, how do you know, how do we know if the athlete truly needs more, more help, right? Like how do we get guys like to, to, to say that to us, you know, and how to not, how not to get like a, a brain dump on them or it's like we're giving them an overload of information or JP's giving an overload of information or he's like have no idea what I'm doing in the box. You know, so like what I mean, how do we know when an athlete when to jump in an athlete doesn't ask, right? Well that's I mean to me like if you treat it like steps, like Taylor often uses the analogy of a runway. Like you don't just turn the engine on and take off. Like there's a there's a, a progression to taking off. And, you know, you teach one skill and then once they got that one down, then you can advance it to the next. And if they're like, if their swing needs a laundry list of eight things that need to go on, you pick the lowest and the easiest one first and you progress. You don't tell them that that you don't don't, six or eight, right? Yeah. Like you don't tell them all of them. You just tell them the first one. And once they grasp the first one really well, then you're like, okay, cool. Now we're going to try this. And then the same thing. And you do that until a handful of weeks down, they got it down. What do you got, Joe? Um, I think the biggest thing with that um, is obviously the relationship you have with the athlete. But our jobs as coaches is to give a stimulus that creates the correct response in the athlete. And as coaches, we don't know what that stimulus is all the time. Okay, we do our best. You know, we do all this research. We learn a ton, um, and we bring that into our programs, our training in the cage, whatever it might be. Um, but sometimes that's not the best. Okay. So we learn with the athlete. Um, if I give a kid a dumbbell RDL and they have no idea what they're doing, they can't get into their hamstrings. They're using their low back and no matter how I cue it, how I put it to them, they don't do it right. I got to change that. Okay. In my mind, that might be the best exercise or the best correction for them, but in reality it's not. So I need to change with that athlete. Yep. Yeah, so many times we're just set in stone. What's on a piece of paper or, or on the computer or whatever? It's like this is the program. You know, that's what we see a lot in higher level baseball, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, no adjustability for for each athlete, and that goes from the pitching side, the hitting side, and the lifting side. You know, and it's tough to to adapt to that if we're not talking as a group. You know, um, moving on. I want to talk about your guys' article you wrote together. That was awesome. So Taylor, take it away. Like. Um, talk, like talk about what it was, what you did. JP, talk about the deficiencies you see, like and how we can help it and, and all that. Yeah, so I just kind of brought up the conversation with JP. We've had a bunch of talks before with a lot of all of our guys that hit with JP. We'll talk to him about what he sees and what deficiencies it may have and how it kind of correlates to the swing. So we just I asked him like what are the two or three biggest things that a lot of athletes have issues with, and a lot of it was the ability to like load into the back hip. Um, so many guys, they just kind of get to their back hip and then just ride it out from there rather than being able to actually load into that back hip and create force from there. Um, and we also talked about posture a lot too, about just a guy's ability to hold their core position and hold their torso in a solid place and able to rotate around that. So they're not just so much just falling forward. So we kind of had some good conversations about that. Um, and then kind of what we can do in the weight room to kind of help with those deficiencies as well. Yeah, and I think that's common of what you see in a lot of hitters is guys not really understanding, you know, how to get into that position, 
you know, the back hip and the, and the torso, which guys that, that can't efficiently get into that position, the things that happen negatively in their swing are, are affected because they can't get into those positions. Like we can't get into our back hip and we crash on the front side. We lose the barrel. We lose our posture. We lose a lot of different things. And I think that comes back to, you know, when we were talking about like, you know, being able to, you know, have a process and a, and a program and understanding of, of what we're trying to do um, with, you know, our drills and what we're doing in the weight room, you know, things like that, little things like that can translate into the cage, um, especially on your guys' side, being able to strengthen those types of things. Anything else to that on that? Um, and kind of like the, the communication that JP and I will have too, is that like our exercises like for us, it's our A block exercise, our, our pre-throw, pre-hit, pre-lift exercise that we'll do is like we can do our hip mobility, our breathing exercise, stuff like that. And then we can use that last one or two exercise to put them in that position that they can't get into when they're hit. So we use the what's that strap a lot for the, a lot of the pitchers and a lot of the hitters for the public rotations or dissociation and then their ability to load into that back hip. Um, so that, like on our end, that's that way they can feel that out and they can feel exactly what they need. And so by the time they get to JP, they have a, they have a feel and they have that motor pattern and that control of how to get into that hip. And so, and then just kind of see how it carries over to JP and then they're hitting and stuff like that. I want to add to that too, for any of the guys that actually hit here and work out here, that the guys, it's very apparent the guys that do their A block before they come in. <laughs> it, and I'm serious. Yeah. Like guys that can, you know, it doesn't take seven rounds for you to, feel your hip or be able to get into positions you want to get into right so that comes back to being you know regimented with your with your process and your program that it's not just your cage routine it's it's what you do in the weight room before and after that is going to put you in the best position to be successful yeah i mean that goes back to what i say all the time a lot of performance is left on the field due to, to improper warm-ups or cooldowns mm -hmm. right now you're leaving a lot in the tank just because like your body essentially your body's saying oh shit it's time to go and it's not ready you know, and I think that 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 needed to be addressed just because, you know, we try to treat everybody in here like a pro. Yeah, you know? 100%. We're not going to babysit you and, and no. walk you to do your A block and, and do your routine. You know, when I'm not able to be in the cage that day that that we want our guys to be accountable, you know, 100%. And that's that's the maturity level that you need to get to. And what a lot of scouts and, and colleges and, and pro guys look for, especially when they come to us to ask us questions like, what do you got on his makeup? What do you got on all that? And that we pay attention to that stuff. And I might not bring it up. I'll do your A block today, but I see it. But we know who did and who yeah. didn't for sure. I mean, we're on, we jokingly give guys shit, but it's like at the same time, are we really joking? Like if they're not doing it, like yeah. walk over to your cage, like why the fuck did you not do your A block? Yeah. That's not, that's not like, we, that shouldn't be our job. I know. Exactly. That, you know? Yeah. Like but we joke. It is. Say that. It exactly. But they're paying us to do it. Right. Yeah. So we're going to, Say it one or two times. After that, they don't do it. That's on them. Yeah. Right. It's your career. It's, it's your that career. Was a, that was a quote I always heard. It's your like playing your career. Yeah. You know? And I think the more we can reiterate that to these guys, the better it'll be. It doesn't matter if they're an eighth grader or a five-year big leaguer, seven-year big leaguer. You know, it's. I mean, we have all those guys that both hit and lift with us. You know, it's. It's your career. Like, yeah. what do you want out of it? You know, like we got a stud little dude. I'll bring him up. Like I know we don't say names on air, but Eli, right? Mm -hmm. Little shithead, but he's awesome, yeah. right? And he goes, he goes about it the right way, you know. I mean, Eli's got a work ethic, you know. That's 
more mature and advanced than a lot of guys that are, you know, in pro ball, the minor leagues and yeah. stuff. And, you know, that's a good trait to have early on. And there's a lot of other guys, you know, or, or Eli's just, you know, Eli eats, sleeps, and, and uh, everything else here. Yeah. Um, but it's important to have that trait because those are the guys that, like all the guys that I played that with that are in the big leagues, they all have those traits, you know, the guys that are regimented and they, and they really take their time to understand what ticks for them. And, and they don't, they don't miss steps in the process, right? Yeah. They take care of everything they need to take care of because at the end, if you're taking care of all that stuff, right? There's no doubt the confidence is there once you get to the field and, and you don't have to worry about, oh, I didn't do this today, right? That I'm not in the right position to, you know, to be successful on the field. But if you take care of all your stuff, then that takes away from, you know, nerves and, and feeling, you know, not prepared. Like you said, routine. Yeah. Like the, the routines, like you've been there before. It doesn't matter what stadium you're at, what level you're at, whatever it may be. The same routines, the same thing every single time. Yeah. And that should be in the weight room. That should be on everything like that things change you know we're creatures of habit in baseball for sure but you gotta make an adjustment to the fastball to the off speed pitch like you gotta make adjustments as you walk around every day like your body's moving differently every day right we make brand you make adjustments every day on athletes program we make adjustments on athletes program every day you know they they need to do the same thing but have that routine base where they're gonna yeah have it's gonna yield success it's, I mean, if you look at any person in our, like, of our, all the people that, we, that train here, of our entire roster, if you want to call it, and anybody who's in the big leagues or is, like, highly touted in minor league ball has their routine. They come in and they take care of their A block, and then they go hit or they go pitch. And it's the same thing every day. It doesn't change. It's not like one day they come in and, like, yeah, just crap it and just go swing and, like, hit some lefty swings, even though they're a right-hander, just to kind of warm up the back or whatever. I guess that's not how it is. Everybody has their routine and it's consistent all the time. And those guys are successful. I think that's the separator, you know, and, you know, since we named Eli, like we look at, you know, Bo and Carter Ritchie who bought in since day one, who are regimented right now. The day starting, we open. Yeah. yeah. And now we're starting to see, you know, they're getting accolades and they're having success because of the work that they put in. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not some like algorithm no. or like some crazy that you have to like, figure out it's just do the work and you know be be true to it and and work your ass off right and and those things start to come to the guys who really buy in the processes and routines yeah i mean consistency is key shout out bone carter for offensive (laughs) player of the year in the regions yeah right i mean you see that joe right how many guys like from our squads that we have that have been with us for six seven years now and look at their success now right absolutely a lot of guys it's kind of like it's the dumbest thought when you actually think about it. I want to get better, but I'm still doing the same stuff. That doesn't make sense. Okay. I'm not where I want to be. I got to change something. I got to do something different. Um, and it starts with those habits, you know, your habits, you know, you can change small things within them, but having good habits and a good routine every day really sets the foundation for success and health. Truly. I mean, that's true, right? Your, your psyches. You know, a mental capacity of the game, right? It's, you know, you're stress. you have stressors, you know, that you have. And if you increase your distress, your bad stress because of your performance, like it's just only going to inhibit what you're doing, you know, but if you increase your, your, what's called you stress and that's your good stress, you know, through 
you know, quality swings, movement quality in the weight room, proper sleep, proper nutrition, like you're going to be prepared. That's, that's all part of the routine, not just stepping in the box, adjusting your batting gloves, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like your routine starts from the minute you fucking wake up, you know, like that's things that kids don't see, you know, yeah, you're going to different classes or you're, you're at a different city or you're eating at a different restaurant, whatever. But like, truly like the way you're operating is consistency throughout. And that's something that we try and teach. Right now. It's not about, you know, getting in the weight room all year long and just to do it and all that stuff. It's like getting the weight room for a consistent approach. It's going to yield consistent results. You know, that's, and it's that's, hard. It's not easy. No, well, that's why not everybody's going to make it. Yeah. Like JP did everything right. And he's, Still, was it, how many all time? How many time all star were you? Three. Three time all star and still never made it to the big leagues. Like it don't, that shit don't matter, right? But there's a, there's a separator in the guys. Like I always had a hard like I was the type of guy, which is why I like doing what I'm doing. So I was always beating myself up all the time because if I was going like if I had a stretch of over ten, I wanted to change something right away. And I was I was a psycho when it came to hitting. You know, I was a, a cage rat, gym rat, and I think that hurt me at times because. And like during the 162 game season, the, the routine is so important because it keeps you even keeled, right? The minute that you start to try to do different things and you, you change your routine, that's when you start to plateau and you have the big peaks and valleys where in pro ball, you need to understand how to kind of ride that wave, right? And not let yourself get too high and too low. And that's where, you know, I always thought about it as like a puzzle when I got towards the end of my career, when I started to actually kind of figure things out a little bit was I'm going to have my bad times, but how do I find ways to, you know, when things are going bad, how do I keep putting pieces into the puzzle that, okay, maybe I'm not getting a ton of hits right now, but I can help my team out by, you know, getting an RBI by hitting something the other way or, you know, drawing a walk, you know, the bigger picture of that. And I think all of that kind of stuff ties back into, you know, your mental state of your routine and how you go about your day and and the confidence you have in what you're doing, you know, because the minute that you lose that, then you're in trouble. 100%. 100%. I mean, that's where it comes to us, like not overcoached during those times, back to that back to that point, right? It's so important for us to like, to allow the athlete to develop their approach and develop their routine instead of giving them their routine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we give them their A block or whatever, but that's a recommendation on what we see, right? You give them their swing patterns or swing drills or whatever it may be. That's a recommendation, but yeah. we're going to listen to the athlete. Nobody knows the athlete better than they do. Like they know their body, right? They they know their body. They feel what they feel. We see what we see, right? We feel better than vision. That's what, that's that's how I coach, right? Your athlete's gonna feel it, and we're gonna see it, right? If they feel something different than what we're seeing, you know, we gotta trust them. You know what I mean? What do you got, B? No, I mean I think that's that's exactly it. I mean that's where as coaches on the strength side, um, we can help the hitting coaches, and at the same time, the hitting coaches can help the strength coaches where. You know, the end goal is we want the same thing. We want the athlete to get better and we want them to develop and we want them to be able to have the most successful career they can have. And, you know, the best way they're going to be able to do that is, like JP said earlier, is take ownership within their their own career. And then at the same time, that makes our job as coaches um, a little bit more clear because if they know themselves really well, then that helps you know them as well. Um, you know, if like you were just saying, DJ, if they're feeling something and you're seeing something, then you can put those two and two together. Same thing with JP. Like if you're seeing something, we can even go over and talk to him. We can come over and talk to us. And it just, you know, it just takes a lot of, takes something that's very, 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 very complicated and makes it a little bit easier. 
you know, we're never going to be able to just, you know, have the exact answer just because it's completely evolving and always changing, but we can always try and just make it a little, a little more simple for that athlete at that time. 100%. That's I mean, basically the end goal. And athletes come to us all the time looking for answers, mm-hmm. but we definitely don't have all the answers. You know, we might act like it sometimes, like very confident, very smart staff. We have both, both locations, you know, but same time, we need to go out and search for answers too. You know, and I learned the most, I know you guys do it. I learned the most from, from our athletes and movement. Eric, like chime in on this, like as you have how many internships, like three internships prior to this, you know, and you actually being on the floor coaching and programming now, like how do you, how do you learn? It's just through actual movement and actual communication with athlete and all that, right? Yeah, the more, I mean, the more I watch, I mean, like I've had to change like a full program after I've actually watched them move. Yeah. Like, like actually trying to do a program like you know like the assessment's great but like once you actually blow them and have them like do things it's going to be I mean, once you get them into actually doing a, a lot of stuff like it changes everything yeah i mean every day we see an athlete moves an assessment yeah you know and I think that's something that we need to keep on focusing on is what we have on this computer right here what you have over there on the on the boards like that's that's changed daily you know Joe, you got anything else on that? Yeah, I liked what JP said about it kind of being a puzzle. Um, it's the same thing when, you know, athletes come to us with problems. I had a conversation with a softball girl the other day, and she couldn't get her bat head around on an inside pitch. Okay, so we took a look at her swing, and I'm not even a hitting coach, okay? I'm just looking at movements. Um, come to find out, she lacks a ton of wrist supination in her backhand, okay? So she's just punching that at this point. Um, so we work on wrist supination and, you know, the results aren't immediate, but it's getting better and the results will come. Just figuring out which piece of the puzzle are we missing? Plugging that in. Is she a cross-handed hitter? Thrower? Hitter thrower? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's do that. We see it a lot. So, I mean, yeah, in season, especially, um, with that, you know, guys when they throw or girls when they throw, whatever, they pronate a ton when they throw. I mean, it's just yep. how we throw. So we lack some supination typically just from that overuse of pronation. So reestablishing supination in season, um, I've been checking on that a lot lately. Yeah, I mean, JP, do you see like cross-handed people get pushy with swings or yeah. because of that There's reason? Or like, like right-handed, you know, hitters who throw left or more, but you know, top hand top dominated yeah. or vice versa. But you do see that a lot just from like a – coming across your body or more of a chop swing than, you know, getting up plane efficiently type stuff, but definitely do see it for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's stuff that we can help too. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, you intervene, Joe, you coach the crop properly. Yeah. She's not where she needs to be yet, but she's getting there. You know what I mean? So you know, that's, I think that's coming into the time when to coach and how to coach it and how not to fuck up her swing. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's not going to be an over, over stimulus thing. It's like, Hey, do a couple of pronations before you go hit, like with a bat yeah. or a hand or whatever, you know? And Absolutely. Understand your scope and stay within it. It's not my job to be your hitting coach. I'm going to look for movements that we can correct in the gym that will hopefully pay off on the field. Yeah, and everything we're doing in the assessment process is like, JP says you can't stay on your back hip. This is why, you know? It's it's kind of like the same thing on the throwing end. You can't, you say, can't stay connected to the rubber. This is why. You know, you get pushy and jumpy in the rubber. This is why, you know, but it might, might not be the actual reason why, right? And they might be compensating, like athletes, like you said earlier, elite compensators. 
you know? So it's, you know, dissecting and having patience is huge for sure. Like that's, the athletes can't expect to come here, get, you know, for a month and get ultimate results. Like all these other guys that we, that you see on our Instagram or on the TV or whatever, you know, and that's a little bit of patience goes a long way for sure. So got anything else guys? Good. Coach Joe, you got anything? I'm good. Good. I'm good. All right, appreciate you guys, everybody follow JP and Joe on social media. Do it. Need it. Need What's it. What's your handle? What's your handle? Uh, at JP3.baseball on Instagram and then Twitter. I'm going to need to look that up. <laughs> I think it's JP similar. Sportman. Yeah, I think it's my just my your uh, name. regular name. Yeah, at JP Sportman 3. What do you got, Joe? Joe Rose Performance? Joe Rose Performance, baby. <laughs> on or just I follow think. Push Performance. A uh, lot of stuff gets posted there. Yeah, follow Push, push Performance. Push Perform Co. Push Perform CO. That's everybody's. That's all of ours. So sweet. Anybody got anything else? Thanks for coming on, boys. Yeah, Appreciate it. All right, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. See you, fellas. See ya.